Grace, peace, and mercy from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I know the gospel is about the shepherd and the sheep, and there's a lot of hymns, like we just sang, about the good shepherd. But I was looking for a hymn about numbers. Not a whole lot there. But I think numbers are important. Maybe I'm a numbers guy because it's hereditary. My mom and dad dealt with numbers. I don't know where the passion comes from. Whenever I see kids that struggle with multiplication or math, I go back and I thank my brother because I think I was in kindergarten or first grade when he decided he was going to teach me multiplication. Zeros, ones, twos, the simple ones, right? I got a head start. Numbers. Maybe it's because I'm a little more than three months into this uh, temporary school administrator role and now my life revolves around numbers. What is our current enrollment? What is next year's enrollment? What does the budget look like for next year? Numbers, numbers, and more numbers. When it comes to ministry, do numbers tell the story? I know Pastor Jeff tracks attendance numbers all the time. He's constantly looking at our current budget. When we look at the numbers, when I read Acts 2 today, I saw three very important numbers, as I alluded to in the children's message I want to talk about today. See, in today's reading from Acts 2, it's not new nor groundbreaking, yet many times overlooked. Should 21st century church look like the start of the way? And again... In these three sets of numbers, I want to start with the first one. Numbers, many wonders and signs. Signs in the Bible, right? And we know there's a lot of signs, Old Testament, New Testament, prophets, of course, Jesus. In fact, um, some of the signs are very obvious. Moses trying to tell the Lord no, and then there's a burning bush sitting there. That was pretty obvious. That's a good sign, right? Or when he sent him to Pharaoh in the ten plagues. Parting of the Red Sea. We could go through all the wonderful signs. And certainly in Jesus' ministry. And even today as I get into Acts and the Apostles. The signs they were given pointing to Jesus. They're obvious. I want to point right now to Acts 5.12. Now many signs and wonders were done regularly among the people by the hands of the Apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. Many signs were done. Do we see those signs today? Do we see those signs when we ask? I found this comic strip and I thought, how many times have people told me, God, send me a sign. I'm looking for a sign. Let me know, am I, am I saved? Is things right? What should I do? What job should I take? Should I or shouldn't I? And I'm not saying it's wrong to ask. Certainly we should be asking the Lord for everything. We should be going to him when all things in our lives are concerned about making a decision. I would much rather have the Lord making my decision because I've seen over and over when he's in charge. Things usually work out a little bit better. When I try to do it on my own, you don't want to be around me. But here, I don't think the signs are so obvious. Maybe it's because we're not asking. Maybe it's because we're looking for something like the sign here. An obvious boom. 
And, and frankly, as we get older, I think a lot of the decisions we make are not about making the right decision. It's about trusting the Lord to help us make the decision we make the right one. I think that's a big difference. It's a hard transition, I think, for kids who've been taught their whole life right or wrong, true or false, yes or no. When do we trust the Lord to help us make the decision we make the right one? We seek clarity in this idea of show me a sign. I don't want to scare you, but I do want to point out spiritual warfare is one of those things I did not really think a whole lot about growing up. I kind of didn't think about it too much. The older I've gotten, the more I've seen. The devil has power too. I think we need to be very careful not to be led astray. When we start seeking a sign and we say, oh, that's the sign. That's the one. The Lord sent that to me. Discern thy will. Make sure that's truly a sign from the Lord. Turn to wise counsel, to mentors, to fellow brothers and sisters in Christ in times like that. I think signs and miracles still happen today, and I think sometimes we miss them. But you know the best way to make sure that you're looking and following the Lord's signs is to be in a close relationship with him. What you're doing this morning, taking time to be in the word, to partake in the body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to be in that relationship with the Lord. Those are the first set of numbers. The second set of numbers, money. We see in today's reading about selling their possessions in verse 45. I use this just to make sure I got everybody's attention halfway through. Not that we're going to talk politics. Socialism in the Bible. Watch out. When we look at Acts and we go to this idea of what they were doing, um, I want to turn to Acts 4, 37, 34 to 37. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought their proceeds of what was sold and laid them at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to each as they had need. Thus, Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, sold the field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. If we said, in order for you to be a member at Grace Lutheran, we want you to turn over all your money and possessions and we'll give you as you need. We would die pretty fast, wouldn't we? <laughs> How did they do that? One of the things I think I learned at an early age is the harder I worked, the more money I made until I became a Lutheran school teacher and then I realized <laughs> paycheck was the same. It changed my motivation. It went from making that person in the booth happy and seeing what tip they leave me to watching our children succeed. I think when it comes to our money, when we actually get into time, talents, and treasures, the money is but a small part of how we serve. The way we can make sure our brothers and sisters in Christ are in need. Just yesterday, I took a phone call from somebody who's struggling, recovering from surgery, and they're like, is there any way you can help arrange a ride for my child for the rest of the school year? I'm like, absolutely. I'm going to go to somebody and say, hey, can I have $200 to help somebody get to school? I need to get them an Uber. And they'll probably say, no, but I'll do it. I was like, okay, good. It's not always about the dollar. It's about reaching out and helping our brothers and sisters in Christ, right? 
x, 5, I, I don't know what I was doing there, the 1 to 2, 11 to 22, just put 1 to 11. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but this is where I think we, it gets a little scary sometimes. Uh, a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property, and with the wife's knowledge, he kept back some for himself of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart and lied to the Holy Spirit? You kept back yourself, part of the proceeds of the land. You have lied to man, to man but to, you have not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon those who heard him. And after an interval of about three hours, a wife came in. She also died. It's verse 11. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. It wasn't about the money. It was about the heart. Why would anybody think they can lie to the Lord? He is all Lord. I love it when I heard early on uh, when I was being taught about tithing, you know, the Lord gives us everything. What we give back is already his. It comes down to motivation. What is your motivation for giving? See, we just heard about Barnabas who sold a piece of land and gave it to the apostles' feet. And we heard about Ananias who sold some land but kept some and gave it to the apostles' feet. Both of them were givers. Both gave of what they had. It comes to motivation from the heart. Again, uh, I've done talks about tithing and I did not learn to give to be a joyful giver. My mother pointed out early on when I was tithing, I seemed to have money. When I wasn't tithing, I was always broke. I tithed so I had money. Because she showed me over and over how that example works. I don't know how it is. And that was the one lesson I heard from Addison. Dad, you're right, that works. <laughs> not the motivation, but certainly the practice. We give to the Lord. It does say in 2 Corinthians, each one must give what he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a joyful giver. This is a whole other sermon I wanted to touch on today because I think we see from the way. I'm not asking you all to sell everything you have and give to the church so we can take care of people. The Lord has provided you opportunities to take care of yourself and your family. No question about it. He's given you gifts, skills, and opportunities to do that. But as a person standing in front of you whose paycheck is fully covered by the wonderful people here, I also understand the giving of a church, the budget, the way it blesses, why I need to be held accountable to you, how the Lord continues his ministry. That's the second number. Third number the one I think is obviously the focus, the one that we talked about mostly with kids, the one I want to talk about you today, the Lord added to their number. The last verse in today's reading. We saw exponential growth in the way. From the 11 scared men after Jesus passed, we saw it go to 3,000, to 5,000. And then in verse 14, and more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. Exponential growth. We don't see that growth today, do we? 
Not at Grace Lutheran. Not in the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod. And not at the church at large. Is it because everybody who's had the opportunity to hear about Jesus knows and everybody's made their decision and we're done? Yeah, don't tell the Gideon that. I heard that groan. We got a lot of people to share Jesus with, don't we? How do we get back? They focused on loving. One of my favorite parts, I'm only going to read select verses of these uh, verses from Acts 6. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists rose against the Hebrews because the widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It's not right that we should give up preaching in the word of God to serve tables. I thought about that one for a second because I thought about people who give so much just in the ways of food here. I thought about Jeff and Patty Kinsky. On Wednesday nights, when people show up, are they more excited to see Patty and Jeff or me? <laughs> Patty and Jeff means we're getting fed and it's going to be a good meal, right? It's an important ministry. It's one I think it gets overlooked. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you the seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And this is verse 7. And the word of God continued to increase. The number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. It comes from a place of love. How do we increase the body of Christ? Getting to know people. Meeting their needs. And introducing them to Jesus. The ultimate healer. The ultimate giver. The one in charge of all things. Somebody asked me why I like doing weddings and funerals so much. Because frankly, when I prepare a sermon here and I'm talking to all of you, I feel like my job is still to remind you, you are a saved child of God. Now go tell somebody. But when I'm at a wedding or a funeral, I know there's probably people out there who don't have an understanding of who Jesus is. I feel like an evangelist. Sharing Christ. So let's finish this up by talking church numbers versus saved numbers. Church numbers are down. Churches are closing. The number of pastors available is down. The number of people going into ministry. Does that mean there are less people being saved? Or does that mean less people are understanding the purpose the role, why it is you get up on a Sunday morning and come to worship your Lord. Are we not getting the role of the church across? See, I think church's supplement, not center, is unfortunately where we've become. A generation, two generations ago, the church was the center. They built City Hall, they built a church, and all the people of the town, that was their hub. That was their people. That was their family. That was where they went. That was their activities. That's no longer the case. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having other activities and other things going on. What I'm saying is, where does the church still meet the needs of people? Because there are people that don't know Jesus, are not in the word, are missing out. Because the church is necessary.
I don't know the motivation of what got you up and brought you here today. That's between you and the Lord. But I certainly hope it was because when you're here, you feel fed. You feel empowered. You feel as one with the church body. Hopefully you crave the body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in which you are about to partake in. I've told my boys and I've gone to other churches, just remember why we worship. There might be great music and a great message about Jesus, but do they have confession and absolution? Do they stand as one people and confess the name of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which we're about to do? Do they feed you with the body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Filling the heavens one at a time comes in a way that says, I love you so much to let you know who Jesus is. I love you so much, I want you to spend eternity with me and the Lord. I love you so much that if you're not gonna go to heaven, it's not gonna be because I didn't tell you about Jesus. <laughs> and worship today is my 97-year-old grandma and my dad joked the other day that grandma's getting to the age where her friends are gonna start to think she went to the other place, right? I thought it was funny, Grandma, but I know where you're going. We all want to be in heaven. We know our Lord and Savior. Let's love the people around us so much we want them to go to. The numbers are great. The ministry has its ups and downs. We're all going to go through a lot of things. But one thing remains the same. Pointing people to Jesus. Sharing Christ out of a place of love. Having relationships so that when you talk to them about Jesus, they listen. Bruce, Bruce shared with me this morning, he was walking around, I forget what store you're walking around, Bruce, but you said you were handing out your Gideon uh, electric Bibles. And he said, in case, he said to the clerk, in case somebody says there's this crazy guy going around handing out things, that's me. Bruce has a love and a passion to share the word of God. And a few people might pull that out, that's why the Gideon's so great. Let's make sure we're putting that much energy into the people around us we know. Amen. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Sharing Christ through word and deed by helping those who are in need. What does it take to save someone? Only God knows for sure, but we can start by meeting their basic needs and introducing them to Jesus. Lord, show us the way. You all have your own way. Listen to the Lord. Amen.